0: At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. the cryptid keeper podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and i am gonna be real with you for a brief second in the middle of the intro i had to just sort of rely on momentum because it occurred to me part way through that i might have messed it up did i mess it up no <laughs> okay cool everything as written then that's what i like to hear <laughs> you're good Wow, yeah, sorry. My brain is in outer space today. Um I am suffering from a little bit of a of a sore throat and like just sinusy nonsense. So, it's really not a huge deal, but um there is a possibility that I'm going to be a space case today. So,
1: that's the energy I'm bringing to the table. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I um have somehow completely like rewritten my sleep schedule since I got out of classes for the summer because nice. I don't currently have a day job and my sleep schedule is bad and weird now so I'm a little out of it myself but it's okay. My bedtime is 3 a.m. <laughs>
0: yeah that's understandable. I typically get to bed reasonably early just because I've been waking up at about five thirty for work consistently for the past few months mm-hmm. but last night i was up much later actually because i was guesting on the overwitch podcast we were oh, talking yeah. about yeah daddy which was very fun um yeah so th- that should be out by the time this episode comes out so go take a listen to that that was very fun but anyway we recorded it once last week and then someone else's audio not mine like totally corrupted or crashed or whatever and wasn't available <gasps> so we re-recorded last night at 11 p.m oh So that's some of that that Dream Daddy after dark energy for you. So that was was fun. But I didn't have anything I had to wake up for this morning,
1: so it wasn't a huge deal. For sure. I do think that it's only appropriate to have conversations about Dream Daddy after the sun has gone down. That's fair. It's a sultry game. Yes, very sexy. It's also wholesome as heck but
0: it's really really good yeah actually it's it's a great game um and you can hear me talk all about it on that podcast i won't waste any more of our time on this podcast speaking of this podcast i uh, thank you so much for covering for me last week i yeah i have not had a chance to listen to the episode yet but the fan response has been amazing so it sounds like you and bailey did an incredible job not that i had any doubts
1: Oh, yeah. Bailey, uh, we had Bailey Myers on last time. Uh, If you missed that episode, we talked about Baba Yaga. Bailey had been uh, begging me to join and talk about Baba Yaga since I talked about it on Twitter, because uh, as someone from a Russian Jewish family, she's been hearing about Baba Yaga since she was like truly a baby child. Mm -hmm. So. Now, don't get any ideas, listeners. This doesn't mean you can just like come. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. (laughs)
0: Like berate
1: us until we let you on the podcast. That's not how it works. Oh, yeah. No, this is already. (laughs) This was a person who was already going to be a guest at some point this was just a request of specifically right. can i be a guest for this thing
0: not <laughs> that we haven't found some really cool you know experts and people to talk to and friends of show in that manner but oh, da- oh yeah seriously please 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 just like i you said those words and all i could see was the inevitable like rush of twitter mentions of people being like let me come talk about this thing, oh no you're right Elle, i'm sorry you all have amazing perspectives to offer <laughs> um we just we literally cannot get to everyone and we cannot tried to deal with schedules from people all the time like it kind of it's hard enough to get us synced across coasts but anyway yeah thank you so much for covering I just I had some family stuff I was dealing with last week and it was nice to be able to take some time off and and get that sorted yeah of
1: course Uh, I do also one more note about that episode I haven't listened to it yet so I don't know how much this comes across but like the air conditioning in Bailey's apartment is broken right now so oh no we were like dripping with sweat as we recorded it because we had oh, to close all the windows to keep back to the suffering booth days yep so it reminded me very much was that of how, nostalgic for you was that good yeah it reminded me of how hot it used to get in my recording booth in my old when i was living at my parents house Uh um, you
0: where i have always in fact been bailey and this episode doesn't exist oh shoot oh no <laughs> No, I'm kidding. All right. Anyway, so today I bring a specific kind of creature to the table that is going to get back into the waters of being another one of those sort of arguably not a cryptid topics of discussion. But I also think that it's one that we should absolutely cover on this show at some point. Mm -hmm. And this feels like the right time to do it. So I've talked before about, like, the, the algorithm that happens in my brain, like mm-hmm. the sort of Jimmy Neutron brain blast situation where I'm trying to figure out what cryptid to do on a given week. But this one was fairly easy, actually, because uh, if you are at all on in- the internet anywhere, and especially if you follow myself or Addison or any of the people that we are even tangentially related to, chances are you've seen a million percent increase in Good Omens content. Mm-hmm. And we have already done Angels on this show. But I figured this would be a good week to do demons. Yes! I just screamed into my microphone. You just, like, felt that
1: building? Yeah, that was the natural. I was doing, like... I, this is one of the times I wish there was a visual component to this show I was doing like a little shimmy dance you know that gif of uh-huh. like Shaquille O'Neal doing like a shimmy I do I know exactly that's, the one that you mean that's the dance I was doing the whole time you were building to that and I <laughs> Oh, thank goodness uh, so yeah just a
0: quick content warning on the top this one will probably get a little bit troubling in the content I'm gonna gloss over most of the stuff but if you are somebody who is at all squeamish about that sort of thing um, or if you are somebody for whom your relationship with faith and spirit causes you great difficulty um just skip out on this one Mm -hmm. i promise you won't be missing anything serious it's like there are ways to talk about demons that don't overtly come from a place of like christianity or abrahamic centric discussion but at the same time you kind of have to talk about those things if you're going to try to cover the whole scope of them and so i'm not attempting to disparage anyone's faith i'm not here to support or to dissupport what's the word for that condemn (laughs) condemn (laughs) I don't know. I'm not here to condemn anybody's religion or spirituality, but I'm going to try to approach this similarly to the Angels episode, where we just talk about it as broadly as possible. But I understand that people do have varied relationships with their faith or their institutions or um, just, I I don't want anybody to have any of those difficulties in listening to this episode. So we'll put content warning in the show notes, but just be kind to
1: yourself. And, you know... Stay safe out there. Well, now the episode's over. I was just gonna say did I just end the episode. Crap! Val's gonna get confused. Val's gonna get confused and cut off all the audio after that. <laughs> Val, you I'm so- do that to them. I'm so sorry. So, if there's one thing I know about demons, it's that they're—they uh-huh. all look like David Tennant. Every single one of them, actually. Yeah, that's
0: the big important thing that we have to talk about is that every single demon looks like David Tennant. Uh, No, that's actually not true. That's yeah. Even a little bit.
1: I haven't talked about this on the show yet, so I want to talk about it on the show because I want to have my moment in the sun to brag. I did get to attend as a plus one of a friend of mine who actually works in the television industry, uh, like, doing Mm -hmm. actual things. I did get to attend the For Your Consideration event for Good Omens, Mm -hmm. and uh, reader, listener, I did get to meet David Tennant at that For Your Consideration event. He's very handsome, he's very nice, he smells like cedar, and also every demon looks like him.
0: It was a big topic of discussion in our group chat a few months ago, what David Tennant smelled like, Mm -hmm. so that was was cool and fun. I wanted to make sure
1: everyone knew. I gotta get the a good word out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm very delighted. This goes in the file folder of the increasing number of David Tennant adjacent cosplays I have to do at some point, most of which are a result of you pointing at David Tennant characters and saying, hey, have you considered? So that's,
1: <laughs> okay, well, that's you can't, can't keep wearing your hair like that and expect me to not.
0: <laughs> it's really all my fault. <laughs> Um, no, I love it. Anyway, Good Omens is great, but let's talk about demons. Yes, Because tell me. I fear that Good Omens is doing for demons what Pirates of the Caribbean did for pirates. Which mm. is to say, I think that a lot of people are coming out of this show with the idea that it's, like, cool and fresh and sexy to be a demon. Which is, you know, possibly true. I'm not here to harsh anybody's vibe. If you are a demon and listening to the show, more power to you. Thank you so much for spending... Uh, just a fragment of your unlimited time on this earth mm-hmm. with us. That's really, really excellent. But there is definitely a lot of really, really troubling material that oh, goes yeah. along with demons and demonology. And if we're talking about those sorts of things, like it's not always going to be like driving a really cool car or having oh, yeah. a sassy one-liner. It might be assaulting a small child or having like a lot of body horror situations mm-hmm. going on. So I will
1: say that like. One of the whole points of Good Omens is that David Tennant's demon character is, like, the only nice one. <laughs> mm mm-hmm.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's own thing. Anyway, sorry. But even in the portrayal of the demons and angels in Good Omens, who are much less savory, uh, you really don't ever get anywhere close to the actual types of things that demons really do. Mm-hmm. And of course I'm using the word really liberally. Yes. But we sort yeah. of understand that from the moment we press record on this podcast, we are we are truthers in in the
1: world. We're stepping into a realm where we are open to all possibilities. That's exactly right. So let's talk about demons. Educate me. So the bottom
0: line sort of assumption for demons in I think what is probably the most widespread notion is that they and they are the same as fallen angels from sort of an Abrahamic perspective, mm-hmm. which you can consider to be true, and that is like a relatively reasonable point to work from. There is some argument on that. Basically, the thing to know is that demon as a catch-all term can refer to any number of varying traditions that even predate Christianity. So when we're talking about demon, that word can be specifically applied in the sort of Christian context, but it also might mean just sort of a catch-all term for malevolent spirits or malevolent entities or forces or critters in any number of other cultures across the world. Okay. It's fairly widespread, and the word itself has been through a bit of etymological evolution here and there so you might hear people talking about like demons versus sort of daemons if that's your thing um those words obviously have similar roots but can be interpreted in very different ways and there's also his dark materials yeah exactly like in his dark materials or um The word daemon itself is, I believe, Greek, and you may hear some discussion of that word in that context, meaning something more akin to a demigod or like an appropriated deity from a different culture under the Greek empire. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to uncover. I want to start by just sort of talking generically about uh, Abrahamic demons, specifically Christian demons. Because those are the ones that people talk about most frequently, I think, when they have this sense in their mind. Whether they're thinking about fallen angels in the very biblical sense, or whether they're thinking about, like contemporary exorcisms in a catholic perspective Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that wrapped up with it and so it's important to understand the concept of demons from that sort of main line there even when you're getting into good omens and most other pop culture that is addressing demons it's doing so from this notion that demon is the same as bad angel right yeah there's sort of this um opposite but equal concept when you're talking about those forces that people tend to think of demons as like the evil counterpart to angels and i think that that's fairly standard in uh, the generic faith system that even a lot of people who are not specifically of a christian notion have in western society we like to think of things as being in these balanced opposite forces and demons sort of help bring that idea about it's another
1: example of how we like binaries (laughs) we like to enforce a binary Yeah,
0: exactly we do we also like to have outside forces to blame for all of the bad things that we do (laughs) so Mm -hmm. demons are helpful for that too the other great thing that demons do and i use great in the most sarcastic (laughs) sense here so please don't take me out of context is i was going to say the other great not great thing about demons is that they provide a very handy excuse throughout a lot of history for any number of neurodivergent symptoms oh yeah we'll get into that and that's that's the unsavory
1: side of the human dealings of demons Mm -hmm. and i i've actually i think even talked about it on here before that uh like very notably epilepsy was misdiagnosed Mm -hmm. if you can even use that word as demonic possession going back forever
0: yeah a lot of the time and um possession and exorcism are pretty wild i would love to come back and do a future episode on like more specific branches of demonology i'm really just going to try to do like a general overview in this episode and if i end up down a rabbit hole like that's fairly predictable (laughs) of me and we'll just roll with it but but we'll try to avoid that so Basically, your crash course in demonology is if you subscribe to the Christian creationism or generally just intelligent design, then you're sort of working from the notion that God or the creator spirit created the world, created angels, created humans, something went wrong and we'll talk a little bit about that inciting event, angel uprising and mutiny essentially. And then Lucifer, as well as a number of other angels, were cast down and become fallen angels. Those fallen angels are then interpreted to be the same as demons. That's sort of the base concept. Mm -hmm. So that's where you end up with this demons and angels as equivalent but opposite forces. It's the idea that demons are essentially biologically Angels just working on opposite ends. Right. So in order to understand that, if you haven't listened to our angel episode, something you need to understand is that angels and demons are themselves uniquely iterated and created entities. So that is to say that angels don't have a genealogy, whereas humans, no matter whether you think that the first set was created or spawned or evolved, all humans since that point have come from other humans. Yeah. No angel or demon has come from another angel or demon. Right. There is no second generation of angel or demon. Every angel or demon that exists was
1: uniquely created. hmm Which is just something to know because it's something that you don't really think about all that frequently. There's not, like, little baby angels running around except for the one that, like, I mean, cherubim, I guess, but, but like, they're not real babies they were just like they just popped out yeah, they're not really babies that's just kind of how we can see they that. just winked into existence uh-huh. oh that's a lot
0: yeah so there are no accidental demons i guess is the thing
1: <laughs> oh i love that it's a good phrase
0: <laughs> yeah we'll put that on a t-shirt in any case what that means is that you're working from them the uh the perspective i guess on the one hand that there are a limited number of them but also that they all exist on this same level, I guess, in terms of what they can do physically, spiritually, supernaturally. Demons and angels in this concept are not bound by physical constraints, but they are bound by spatial constraints, Mm -hmm. which is to say that angels and demons are not omniscient, not even close. They're not omnipotent. They're not all powerful. They can do Supernatural things, but they can only do them in one place at a time. Okay. So a demon can take over your body because it's not bound by physicality. It doesn't have a physical, unique form that it isn't constrained by. So a demon or 6,000 demons can take over a single human body. Ah. That can happen. What they can't do is they can't take over like, a bunch of bodies at once on opposite sides of the world. Right.
1: All right, but they can have the most horrifying clown car situation you could possibly imagine. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, they can. It's really bad. Yeah, I read one example where it was talking specifically about the number six—that like, 6,000 demons taking over a person, and I was like, this is awful. This is the most horrifying thing I've ever read. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that is, um, that's, like, basic demon biology, I guess, first and foremost. Any questions so far?
1: Um, no, I think, I don't think so. I mean, I have several, but no, I'm gonna hold off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. We'll keep going then. So
0: that is generally the Christian concept of demons. Yeah. Now, I said that these predate Christianity, which is true. There is a specific, um, there's a specific element, I guess, or angle to demonology in a similar vein That actually comes from the Islamic perspective. And before we get into that, I just want to say that I do not claim under any circumstances to be an expert on Islamic mythology. It is not my area of expertise, even in the slightest. I'm not the person to ask about any of it. So when I tell you anything on this podcast about Islamic mythology, know that I'm doing it from a place of research, but certainly not any amount of research that makes me anything close to an expert. And if I screw something way the heck up, you can tell me and I will say, yes, I 100% believe you that I messed this up really bad. Mm -hmm. So, in the Islamic conception of demons, we're probably going to be talking about something that falls under the umbrella term of jinn. Okay, yeah. D-G-I-N-N. Yeah. Which were uh, sentient beings created by God. And they, in this particular line of understanding were essentially the population and masters of the earth before humankind was. So before humankind was created, the earth was populated by and ruled by jinn, who themselves had their own societal models. Like, they had kingdoms, and they had neighborhoods, and they had societal structures, and they had hierarchies, and, like, Mm -hmm. they had their own sort of deal going on here. Right. And apparently, according to what I understand, and again, you know, all of the asterisks in the world on this one mm-hmm. apparently it was taken away from them because god was displeased with how they were using it so they had their turn with earth they didn't do a good enough job and so it got taken away and given to someone else okay the Jinn apparently were beings who were created from smokeless flame which is why they are so hot tempered which i just think is like a fun bit of imagery uh, they're impulsive, intense, and very task-oriented, which sounds like a way that you might describe yourself if you were going into a job interview mm-hmm. in the business world.
1: Uh, there's a an, an Iranian uh, film, Under the Shadow. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a horror film about a uh, a woman and her daughter who are being essentially tormented by I what I believe, and I have not seen the film yet, but it's like extremely highly praised. What I but it's it's a fire entity, and I believe something gin mm-hmm. adjacent. Oh, okay, cool. I have to watch it. It's like I haven't uh, I haven't seen it yet. It's on my Netflix list. I've heard excellent things. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's just a separate... That just reminded me when you were talking about Smokeless Flame, I went... Oh, Under the Shadow.
0: Oh, okay. Very cool. So the difference in this sort of uh, creation and revolution myth is that a similar thing happened. You know, they, they had their realm taken away from them and the first man was installed upon the earth and god basically commanded all of the angels and all of the jinn to like recognize and to worship them to like bow and kneel and whatever else it is that you do in a biblical story of creation mm-hmm. and in this version of the story uh there was a figure who is named i believe iblis okay i-b-l-i-s who is essentially the parallel for the lucifer character the difference being that iblis was never an angel Iblis was a djinn from the get-go. So rather than this being a situation of an angel falling, this was a situation of everybody kneeling, Iblis standing up and saying, I'm not doing that. Like, this was supposed to be our situation here. We were made from fire. They're made from clay. We're better than them. We deserve this situation. God says, no, you need to do what I tell you to do. Iblis says, "Um, you know what? Bye, I'm out. I'm going to like, spend the rest of my existence trying to sabotage humans because this is an unjust situation. Mm -hmm. So the djinn are then disgraced and expelled and uh, cast out of heaven and cast out of whatever their celestial kingdom is. Again, I don't have the reference point for, like, all of these concepts as easily as I have the reference point for Christian concepts, so if I'm overly simplifying them or misrepresenting them, that's, like, believable to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, I'm sure that I'm messing this up, Mm -hmm. but that is the most basic understanding I could come to.
1: It's not lost on me that there's a lot of fire imagery present here. Definitely, yes.
0: Like, so much of it. Similarly to angels. Jinn have their own i don't know that hierarchy is the right word but i'm going to use it here hierarchy where you know like with angels you have like the seraphim and the cherubim and the nephilim and like their different roles that they mm-hmm. occupy yeah uh, jinn have those as well so there are different like classes that they are sort of separated into that just sort of determine how powerful they are mm-hmm. and what their like sort of purpose is in that situation That's not the only place that we have a reference to demons, though. So there are traditional uh, Japanese creatures called Oni, Mm -hmm. which we translate typically in Western as demons. They sort of fulfill a similar purpose, these impish, trickster, bad luck. I don't know. I keep using the word entity because that's all I really have. But Oni are the Japanese equivalent, and those are their own cultural echelon Mm -hmm. they have their own significance but typically they're depicted in a similar way to what we might expect our demons to look like in cartoon mythology which is like the red faces horns pointed tails um often with claws and sharp teeth and exaggerated eyebrows
1: yeah i i I remember i this is actually something i've come across before
0: yeah that doesn't surprise me i remember seeing a lot of this imagery in my theater history classes um did you come across
1: the uh, namahage at all when you were i didn't
0: spend a lot of time looking specifically at oni i was just trying to sort of in like dip my toes in far enough to figure out basically what i was looking at um but i didn't really come across any specific figures i was just looking at oni as a whole i figured that was more your territory than mine a
1: little performance type history thing is um namahage masks are like Oni ma- like demon masks worn in like different... Oh
0: yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I didn't I didn't recognize the name, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah.
1: That was just I'm um, I'm just immediately picturing it and if you haven't seen it, you can Google it. It's N A M A H A G E is like the romanization of that and it is basically what you might think if you're from like a western christian perspective of like a devil face. It's got the horns and like a big mm-hmm. kind of snarl and the red face and uh in my youth studying uh a lot of different things came across pictures of the masks, and I think I've even seen them in in museums a few times before. Anyway, they're they're cool. Okay,
0: neat. Just a sidebar. <laughs> um, I mentioned a Greek concept of demons, and that is something that is also definitely worth talking about. The ancient Greek word daemon just denotes a spirit or divine power, so it just really means a power greater than human power, like something that is exists in a different realm than ourselves, mm-hmm. and. Uh, You can find examples of that word and concept as far back as the work of Plato and um, Socrates. Okay, yeah. The word itself does not necessarily carry the negative connotation that we've retroactively assigned to it nowadays. And it really just sort of means this this power or this force Mm.
1: well Um, that's the case throughout a lot of greek mythology mm -hmm. you something you notice in greek mythology versus a lot of other um things at least because i say this because i was i've mentioned on the show before i was a greek mythology child i was a weird Mm -hmm. kid who spent a lot of time reading myths that i shouldn't have been reading because they were not like child friendly there is so much moral ambiguity in like deities in in greek mythology like Uh the figures that we want to apply like our sort of christian analog to like for example people mm-hmm. want to cast hades as a as a demon or not a demon as a as a villain and he's not any more guilty of doing bad stuff uh, and good stuff in the stories than zeus is oh certainly not zeus is a monster and but... honestly zeus is in many ways worse
0: <laughs> zeus is the worst and i will yeah. probably die on that hill That hill being Mount Olympus, which was, incidentally, a very
1: climbable hill. Yep, that no one went up on top of, uh, and that's just... I guess that's faith for you, huh? How people... Yeah, that's just, you know, what you do.
0: So this Greek concept of daemons, just meaning the spiritual powers that be, was sort of then retrofitted when the Roman Empire came to power, which, you know, most things were retrofitted when the Roman Empire came to power. (laughs) But, you know, as the Romans were going about and seeing these different... Cult statues and these different um, appeals to the deities or daemons, that word got sort of incorporated and mixed up with the idea of demons as being satanic powers. Often, if there was a city that took over one of these earlier cultures and they still had those statues lying around, those figures would become part of the local iconography of what demons were at work there. So it would be sort of a testament to. Um, all of the, the horrible works of like the pagan creatures that came before them that sort of got all mixed up. And as you do, you know, the, the incorporation and um, assimilation that was forcefully practiced by the Roman Empire is horrific. But mm-hmm. it's interesting as an intellectual exercise. Not that you should ever separate it from the very real consequences it had on the cultures that came before it. You should not. Looking at anything in a vacuum is bad. But I'm just saying, like, from a linguistic standpoint, it's fascinating to see how those things got transformed into our misconceptions that we
1: have now. So much of human history and the way that we conceptualize human history was shaped by Mm -hmm. conquerors rebranding, like, the symbols of the conquered. And it's both upsetting and, like, wildly fascinating in equal measure. And I know what you mean. Like being able to kind of and as you get older, having to kind of reconcile mm-hmm. with the fact that like things that we understand as a given or things that um, have stood the test of time in linguistic and cultural stances, like we're forced that mm-hmm. in that direction and nothing happens in a vacuum. Um, in yeah.
0: Egyptology, there is some discussion about the roles occupied by both deities and demons there were these concepts of creatures that were not quite gods but were definitely not human who fulfilled specific purposes in that hierarchy Uh, it was another situation where there wasn't a specific word for demon as we conceive of it now which means that the word itself was much more of an umbrella term where you had Mm -hmm. bad ones and more benevolent ones um both deities and demons that we conceive of Acted as intermediaries to deliver messages to humans, and so that kind of posed a problem for modern scholarship because we don't really know what the difference between their concept of deities and their concept of demons were. There's just not a an easily equivalent term for it. But um, some early writings indicate that there was acknowledgement of the malevolent ones by highlighting those names with red ink. Which I found fascinating. Red. Yeah. Red. <laughs> in, uh, in the ancient Egyptian culture, it appears, as best as we can tell, or as I can tell from my sources, that demons appeared to be sort of specifically related to distinct deities and work for them, essentially. Basically, you had this situation where demons were subordinate to specific gods then occasionally acted outside of that it seems like they had free will but it was more of like a higher situation right so like i work for mm-hmm. raw but like occasionally i do my <laughs> own thing
1: raws and turn yeah retweets are not
0: endorsements um my views are my own
1: but i am sorry that what my, my 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 very thoughtful point just turned into me screaming the word red into my microphone Red. But i just it's very exciting to me when I see that cross-culturally the color red pops up again and again as this way to denote like... It's
0: really fascinating, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it, not necessarily evil per se, but like the, those sort of adjacent ideas and seeing like, the, like that is the color that if we mm-hmm. hop back over to Christian's... Christian history we we associate with the devil yeah and that color also pops up in Japanese demons Mm -hmm. and pops up definitely red is everywhere uh, as and of course it's not in every culture that red is is coded in that way but it is fascinating to me that several like very disparate cultures use red in very similar ways Mm -hmm. definitely I'm like flailing my arms around as I talk (laughs) color theory and just the cultural implications of color are really interesting to mm-hmm. me, and I get very, very excited <laughs> when I see a really surprising overlaps in the use of certain colors, and I, yeah, anyway, mm. just think
0: that's neat. Yeah, oh, one more thing I wanted to point out, because I thought it was cool and I forgot to mention it. Gimme, gimme. When we were talking about the djinn specifically, djinn uh, are different from the concept of demons in that djinn do procreate, they have a lifespan, it's just a very, very, very long one, Oh. Um, and also the reason that they can't be seen is because they are made from smokeless fire. So humans are made from earth, which is like a solid and we can see them. Jin are made from smokeless fire. So that's why they can't be seen or interacted with in the same way. It's why they're mm-hmm. not bound by the same spatial capacities, which I just thought was neat.
1: There's a book series that I read when I was a kid, and I don't know if like anyone else ever read these but like i the little bits of gin like history is not quite the right word but you know what i mean the little bits mm-hmm. of the storytelling that i know are because i read this book trilogy it's called the Bartimaeus trilogy i don't remember the individual book titles but it concerned a like young philosopher and i think it was like it was kind of like a fictional historical mm-hmm. like it was a thing and it was fantasy who became like unlikely partners with this djinn named Bartimaeus who was like this chaotic neutral kind of figure to him and he didn't have a physical form that you could like he was invisible most of the time but he Mm -hmm. could manifest like physical forms and I don't even remember much else about the series I just remember like learning types of like it's where I learned what an Afrit was which is a like specifically like a fire spirit and it's a tear of like gin and I just as you were talking about that I started remembering the Bartimaeus books and I don't remember anything about the story aside aside from what I've just told you well it was still interesting yeah I read them when I was eight years old and I remember they had like a gargoyle on the cover of one of them I think or something that my child brain coded as a gargoyle and that's all I have for you but if anyone else read those
0: that's okay I appreciated it thank you Uh, So that is sort of an indication of where the concept of demons came into the general human hive mind. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, the idea of demons specifically as being responsible for bad things and needing to be eradicated is primarily the Catholic Church. Right. So Catholicism straight up unequivocally teaches that angels and demons are 100% real and not just symbolism. Like they are real literal things that exist and act on the world around us um the catholic church does have if you didn't know this officially sanctioned exorcists who still perform exorcisms like all the time
1: there are also exorcists currently working in the world who are not catholic affiliated but yes. are like, I don't even, I don't want to name him because I don't want to give him more press, but there is a guy that Ono Ross and Carey have covered, um, mm. a reverend, who does like exorcism conferences <laughs> around the country. And that is wild. his daughter and her like two friends are like a group of teen exorcists. And it is baffling. That is, but it wild. is w- utterly wild. But I did know actually about the. Catholic Church having sanctioned exorcists. Yeah, which which I
0: figured you did, but if anybody listening was not aware of that, yeah. like yeah, exorcism exorcism is not like a niche belief that is practiced in secret. Like exorcism is a function of the Catholic Church.
1: Well, Ed and Lorraine Warren, whatever your opinions on them maybe, I have my own opinions on them. I'll do an episode maybe specifically on their work at some point. But mm-hmm. did participate in exorcisms with catholic priests and like that sounds like a really long time ago but lorraine warren died this year oh wow (laughs) like she just died (laughs) and that's the uh couple that the conjuring is 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 based on um they were a, a couple that worked with like families tormented by ghosts and demons etc and again whatever your opinion of how real the things they were doing were again i have my own uh, i'll save it for a later episode but that's how recent mm-hmm. and how like mainstream a lot of this is yeah i think that's a really interesting way to conceptualize it is yeah lorraine warren just died and
0: yeah that's just, really fascinating yeah yeah it's not it's not an, it's not an obsolete practice by any means
1: mm-hmm. and a lot of people were exposed to the idea with uh the 1970s film The Exorcist, which my poor, poor mother mm-hmm. saw when she was nine years old. Oh, no. And did not, I was very afraid of. You still can't mention the movie in her presence, or she'll, she'll be like, ah, no. Um, I don't blame her. Poor Gina. No, I know, poor Gina. Side so note, <laughs> did not expect that film to hold up in terms of scariness. Uh, I was incorrect. Uh, yeah. I was, well, because a lot of. I have not seen the whole thing. I've
0: only seen, like, the. The most famous bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. From
1: it, but well, the thing about it is two things. One, it opens with a like long sequence of an old man in the desert who's like doing archaeology things, mm-hmm. and so it's like, okay, cool, I guess. It it starts you off very kind of boring. At first, I had to check that I had I had rented the correct movie, and then the second thing is that a lot of classic horror films from like the '70s c- conceptually hold up, but the visuals just. It's really hard with a modern conception of special effects to buy into it and to be still frightened Mm. and suspend your disbelief. Uh, If you're a horror fan and you haven't somehow watched The Exorcist and you want to, um, it it holds up. It's still very scary. Well, there you go. That's my, like, recommendation for one of the most famous and critically beloved horror films of all time, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, please, carry on.
0: Oh, no, you're all good. So speaking of exorcism... Mm -hmm. um, According to the Catholic Church and Catholic exorcists, Catholic exorcists differentiate between quote-unquote ordinary satanic or demonic activity Um. and extraordinary satanic or demonic activity. So ordinary demonic activity would be like mundane temptations, right? Uh Like being tempted to do bad things. But I just love the idea that like, well, is that ordinary demonic activity, or was that extraordinary demonic activity? Yeah,
1: it feels a little disingenuous to call any demonic activity ordinary.
0: It's... Oh, that's just your regular run-of-the-mill demonic activity.
1: <laughs> that feels... that feels... that doesn't feel right like, to
0: ugh. me. I can't believe Brad's making such a big deal out of this. It's just a little ordinary demonic activity.
1: Exactly, like, that's just it. <laughs> That seems dismissive yeah. to me. I realize that they have created a distinction for a reason and I understand the point of it, but the word choice feels dismissive. There are
0: typically um, six different forms that these are classified into. Okay. So extraordinary demonic activity comes in one of these like six categories, and I think the idea is that everything fits into one of these. The first is possession, in which Satan or some demon or demons takes full possession of a person's body without their knowledge or consent. So the victim is therefore morally blameless. Mm -hmm. So if you are possessed, you don't know or agree to it. You are not responsible for the bad things that are happening. Right. By this, you know, basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Category two is obsession, which includes sudden attacks of irrationally obsessive thoughts. Usually this culminates in suicidal ideation. Which is where it gets really bad And where this sort of starts to show That messy intersection with Mental illness yeah. throughout history
1: um, that, yeah. Sudden bouts of obsessive thought My little OCD ears pricked up And I went uh oh mm-hmm. Yep Uh, And also can include influences on your
0: dreams. So if you start having like really disturbing dreams, that might be interpreted as a sign of extraordinary demonic activity. Or
1: you take Ambien. Yeah, you know, exactly. One of the two. (laughs) Sorry not to make light of that, but... No, by all means. Ambien does also give you very disturbing dreams.
0: Category three is oppression, in which uh, there's no involuntary action. You're not taken over. You don't lose consciousness. It's just basically a demon giving you a really bad time. So oh, okay. in the example listed here is in the biblical book of Job, in which Job was tormented by a series of misfortunes in business, family, and health. Calling them misfortunes is um, pretty minor if you've read the book of Job. That's an understatement. That's the understatement yeah. of the entire Old Testament, I think. But mm-hmm. in any case, oppression just means that like demons are causing really bad things to happen to you. It's not actually invasive in terms of your specific body or mind. Okay. Category four is external physical pain caused by Satan or some demons. I wish that had a catchier title because the rest are like possession, obsession, oppression, and then we've got infestation and subjection. This category doesn't have, like, a fun name. Uh, Infestation it affects houses, things, or animals. So it's like possession, but with inanimate things or beings that are non-human.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, like what the warrens used to handle Mm -hmm.
0: and then category six is subjection in which a person voluntarily submits to satan or demons
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. okay
0: so those are your six sort of categories now since the middle ages in the roman ritual we have determined true demonic or satanic possession by looking for a certain set of characteristics there are typically four that you look for one is manifestation of superhuman strength Two is fair. two is speaking in tongues or languages that the victim could not possibly know. Mm-hmm. Three would be the revelation of knowledge that the victim could not possibly know. Whether that's distant knowledge yeah. or hidden knowledge or just things that, like, you wouldn't have a way to access. Um, And the fourth, and I love the way this is phrased, Blasphemous rage, obscene hand gestures, using profanity, and an aversion to holy symbols or relics. Switch, like... It's When you write it out in text, it doesn't contextualize as well. Specifically, a lot of these are in terms of, like, abrupt changes in behavior. So we're not talking about, okay. like, somebody who's just angry a lot and gives you the finger is, like, not necessarily possessed by a demon, but... If someone who has never displayed those characteristics before all of a sudden does those things and then you bring a cross into the room and they, like, recoil and start scratching at you, like, that might be demonic possession.
1: And I was gonna say, they clearly... I've never heard these laid out, like, in direct text before, Mm -hmm. but they clearly pulled every single one of these when they made The Exorcist. Oh, 100%. Because, like, one of the first... One of the first things that happens with, sorry spoilers for a movie that came out in the 1970s, um, but one of the first things that goes, that that changes about the little girl that the film centers around is that she goes to like, she's like been sort of sick and seeming like off and her mom takes her to the doctor and he gives her a shot and she like drops like some incredibly artful and grotesque profanity for a 12 year old. Yeah. In the 70s who has no internet to teach her those words. Like, mm-hmm. things like that.
0: Oh, so that's also hidden knowledge. Yeah,
1: it was a little bit that's of both. That's two of them then. Also, there's like, they like bring a cross in the room and she like loses her mind and you no, know, yeah, exactly. It's, they very clearly, I haven't watched it in a long time, but they clearly like went through every single one of mm-hmm. those and checked them off as they wrote the screenplay. Yeah, definitely.
0: So in this Catholic conception... Uh, Something to keep in mind is that these are literally talking about actual demons, like actual beings entering your body or your place of residence and doing these things actively. Mm -hmm. Which I clarify because uh, there are other faith systems or beliefs or systems of spirituality in which the same type of thing is conceptualized, but it's not actively a sentient being doing this thing. It is like bad energies surrounding you or something like a metaphorical um, exactly. In traditional Buddhism, there are four metaphorical forms of. I believe the word is Mara. It's M A R A, but I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. Please at me. Um, anyway, there are four of these, and they basically uh, come out to the concept of demons or demonic possession, but they more refer. They can refer to just these general like difficult energies and metaphors and symbolic trials going on in your life. Right. So there is one that is the embodiment of all unskillful emotions such as like greed hate delusion negative perceptions and things that like are, are sort of internally toxic
1: mm-hmm.
0: one is the metaphorical realization of death or the demons of the the world of death things having to do with death and dying um one is a metaphor for and this is phrased strangely i'm not entirely sure i get it like i read it and i think same but i don't actually know what it means the entirety of conditioned existence Mm. i don't know i feel it on a deep spiritual level but i could not explain it to you it's fair and then yeah the last one is specifically a symbolic interpretation of the deva of the sensuous realm who in this lore tries to prevent Katama Buddha from attaining liberation from the cycle of rebirth. So it is a very specific force, but I think it sort of represents a broader concept of trying to break that cycle of liberation from the earthly ties. So uh, apparently there are practitioners in Buddhism, traditional Buddhism, who are healers of these specific types of afflictions. Uh, Those healings do not look anything like an exorcism (laughs) right so just know that these more resemble like taking care of the person who is having these problems and trying to figure out where that suffering is coming from and then also prescribing some acts to spiritually rid the presence of the uh the mara or the embodiment okay but in catholicism the demons are actually just like dudes there to heck you up no
1: they are like literal they're like literal
0: creatures critter creatures yeah
1: <clears throat> you can find a lot of and that's when you you find a lot of uh talk about that sort of perspective on it you get the additional bits of like i'm sure you came across this but they tell you like the smell of sulfur and mm-hmm. or like a smell of rotting meat
0: yeah there are a ton of different like quote-unquote symbols or like That show up in, depending on where you are and, like, what background you're coming from and all sorts of different things. A lot of it, I think, is largely regional and largely having to do with just general associations of things that are bad in that area. Mm -hmm. Demons are, it's funny because there are, if you're talking about demons, then the impetus is to try to explain what demons are by using mundane association. But if you're talking about any other thing, a lot of times demons are used to try to explain that, which is funny. So, for example, there are a handful of cryptids that are often written off, quote unquote, as demons. Like a lot of people think that Mothman was an instance of demonic activity, or the Jersey Devil definitely gets
1: um, explained as a type of demonic activity. I mean, the Dover Demon? (laughs) The Dover
0: Demon. The Dover Demon is actually probably an alien.
1: (laughs) I know, but it's in its name.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. But that's just always funny to me. Um, yeah. But it's like, this is a demon, this is a demon. Dover demon's not a demon. That's an alien. Why didn't we call it the Dover alien? Don't worry about it. Anyway. Because um, an alliteration Ljubicabra is fun. Is, yeah, it truly is. And El Chupacabra is frequently frequently interpreted as possibly being a
1: demon. Oh, yeah. All the time. Among many, many
0: others. But those are sort of the big ones, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had a couple other articles pulled up, but I don't really want to super dive deep into anything else. Um, There was one more thing i wanted to list here i found an article that um is frankly incredibly disturbing and i don't want to read the whole thing here it's on ranker you can find it if you want it is called eight real people who pissed off demons and paid for it and oh actually these stories are like really upsetting like these are stories of demonic possession that are genuinely really troubling um but my favorite one is the last one so i'm just gonna read it to you yeah give me After a failed exorcism, a priest received text messages from the devil. Huh. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. In 2014, Father Marian Radschel carried out a failed exorcism on a teen girl in Poland. Rather than driving the devil out of the girl's soul, the priest drove it into her cell phone, and he then began receiving insulting text messages from the demon. These text messages contained threats and insults such as these shut up preacher you cannot save yourself idiot you pathetic old preacher
1: sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> of all the things that you'd expect the devil to say to you those are pretty mild by comparison i know
0: there's another example that says she will not come out of this hell she's mine anyone who prays for her will die but these still just sound <laughs> like you're being cyberbullied by a demon
1: when the devil texts you, you up. Don't respond. Just ignore it. <laughs>
0: shut um, up, preacher. Idiot.
1: Uh, also, uh, really quick, if someone hasn't bought the film rights to exorcism gone bad and the demon goes into the cell phone, then let me please stake my I'm claim.
0: Almost, I'm almost positive this belongs either to Black Mirror or to asylum films. It's got to be one of the two.
1: No, I want it.
0: I think that you would do a remarkable film treatment of shut up, preacher, idiot,
1: there is actually a film that I watched and I cannot even remember the name of it, but um that I did genuinely enjoy. Uh that was like about like a personal assistant type app like a Siri or an Alexa mm-hmm. that it turned out was a demon living in like cell phones. Um, it was like very campy but very enjoyable and now I don't even remember what it was called it was on Netflix if anyone remembers this movie and has also seen it like please actually at me and tell me the title but like Mm -hmm. it was it was like this very campy like teen teen scream kind of horror film about a personal assistant app that turned out to be a demon living in cell phones and I really enjoyed it I watched it in a hotel room when I was like not feeling super well and I had a great time but (laughs) that's its own thing Cool, that sounds fun. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm yeah. not going to read any of these others because like I said, they are like a genuinely very bad energy and the episode's wrapping up so I don't want to bring that here now. Oh yeah, no. But anyway, so I mean, I know I said I started this episode saying like this is going to be disturbing content and then really didn't get into any of it. It's adjacent to disturbing. So it was a little bit anticlimactic because I did say demons are super bad and then didn't really tell you any like very bad things, but they are really bad. There is one more article on ranker that is listed in the same collection which is just called Tell Tale Signs Your Child Is Possessed By A Demon.
1: Ooh. Also I I would feel like it would feel it would feel wrong for me not to mention that like uh while some of the some stories of like uh, exorcisms lead to things like possessed phones and that's just wild and fun to talk about that there have been people who died during exorcisms and not oh, a yeah. small amount of them and mm-hmm. I just wanted to I feel like that needs to be acknowledged because it is very sad and
0: yeah no absolutely um and we'd also be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that in places where these symptoms are tied to just sort of on a widespread cultural level tied to demonic possession oftentimes that leads to people not getting other kinds of help that they need so Mm -hmm. it's not even just as bad as like ignoring a problem it's a a problem or like putting them in an exorcism situation it's a combination of these factors where when you try to treat something like this you become so obsessed and fixated on this path that people are like spending a lot of time not getting assistance for really serious symptoms
1: exactly for issues like schizophrenia issues like epilepsy um, Mm -hmm, just even things like depression uh anxiety disorders i mentioned ocd and i was not being light about light-hearted about it mm-hmm. so it is it is worth mentioning that like that is not always the the solution
0: yeah if you are having difficulties i would say that you should probably uh go to your primary care provider before you go to your priest not that you can't go to your priest um but please take <laughs> care of your body as well as your spirit
1: Well, it's sort of, to me, uh, and this is coming from the perspective of being raised by someone who's a healthcare professional, but my mom is a healthcare professional who's also very into, like, Reiki and crystal healing and a lot of alternative medicine, and her philosophy has always been there is absolutely nothing that can be hurt by you seeking both, like, professional Mm -hmm. medicine and alternative medicine at the same time whereas you don't want to try to just fix something with an alternative method that might miss something so like basically anything that you feel like you want to use to treat your ailments is a like like explore that like do like spiritually use yoga whatever you want to do but also pair that with medicine is always the advice that I have been given and that I tend to give but Mm -hmm. Um, This is not a medical advice podcast, so don't.
0: Not even Um, close. It's also not a religion podcast or a history podcast. So Um, sorry about that.
1: Final note on uh, demon stuff. If I mentioned the Warrens and I just wanted to mention this as well, because there's a new Annabelle movie coming out and Annabelle is a real doll. Um, they've turned her into a very massive franchise of, eh, horror films, but Annabelle Mm. is a real doll that is preserved. I don't know where she's currently kept, but she is a real doll that the Warrens investigated who, like I said, or like you actually mentioned, demons don't possess objects or places. Mm -hmm. They possess people, but, like, a demon is attached to this doll, supposedly, and Uh, My favorite thing about Annabelle is that they depict her in the movies as this very creepy, like, broken China doll with, like, big Mm -hmm. bulging eyes and a cracked face. It's just a Raggedy Ann doll. Like, the real doll is a Raggedy Ann doll. Oh. Like, it's just a Raggedy Ann doll. Like, they've made her much creepier for the movie, but I think it's a lot creepier that there is a demon supposedly attached to this doll that is just—it's a Raggedy Ann doll.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you
1: can look it up. I'm not sure where she's currently kept, but, yeah, Annabelle— exists does not look like that creepy china doll they use in the movies
0: it would be so much more interesting if it was a raggedy and doll yeah that's wild
1: yeah the actual doll is a raggedy and doll and that's my little fun fact uh from me to you as someone who is interested in haunted dolls in a very deep and profound way sorry you're
0: interested in what haunted dolls thank you (laughs) you're welcome all right. um so that's bring it, demons. it home yeah they're cool and fun and sexy until they start taking over your body and destroying your life but not all of them do that some of them are just cool polytheistic deities out here to have a good time they also will probably hack mm-hmm. up your life but it's not going to be personal
1: yeah some of them are david Tennant wearing steampunk sunglasses well,
0: literally one of them is david Tennant wearing steampunk sunglasses i don't think it's even fair You're to right. say some. um side note though if i if i already scared all the children away with the um With the warning at the beginning that I can talk a little bit more freely about this, which is an alarming number of people have been like even in very recent years have intentionally tried to summon demons to be physically intimate with them.
1: Look, Alex, I'm not going to say that I get it, (laughs) but I am going to say that I don't, I don't blame, I don't fault them, these people.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I—it's uh, a very, very long and time-honored tradition, dating back to at least the colonial American days. I'm assuming much, much longer. Oh, much, much further. Much, um. much, much longer. I just don't have a timestamp on it. But yeah, that um, putting out supernatural booty calls is a practice almost as old as humanity itself. I would assume. Yeah, I mean. I'm I'm less surprised by that. I guess I was more surprised to find that people are still doing it, like very regularly. I wish that
1: I were more surprised by that. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think good omens is
0: gonna help at all.
1: Haha, <laughs> no it is not. <laughs> can say that from personal experience. Okay. Anyway, Addison, please.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's that's just sort of a demons 101. I hope we can revisit them at some point and get further in depth on any one of the subjects we covered today. I guess today we talked a little bit more about like exorcism and possession. Yeah. Um because that's sort of where the conversation naturally goes when you're talking about demons, but
1: Of course, but fascinating. But yeah, um, it's definitely a
0: fascinating part of human history. It's an interesting sort of exploration of our world and the ways that we perceive wrongness and the things that we think are wrong. And like demons are really a fascinating exploration of taboo in societies. And so anywhere you look at what a regional concept of demons and demonology is, you're almost always going to walk away learning a lot of really interesting information about things that that society demonizes i mean that's a word for right. a reason right like it will tell you a lot about the culture that conceived of those absolutely
1: things. and it also says a lot about how just we as a as a species really want explanations clear-cut explanations for mm-hmm. when horrible things happen
0: yeah definitely and that's the instance with a lot of the demonic possession cases i didn't get into is this idea of like really horrific crimes being committed And people wanting more than anything to believe that a human could not do that. Mm -hmm. Like, we will do anything to put distance between our concept of ourselves and our concept of that kind of horror being possible. Mm -hmm. And so if telling ourselves that another person was demonically possessed makes that easier, that is, like, going to continue being an explanation in human society. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So, Alex, thank you so much. So go watch Good Omens. Great it's a lot of fun. Alex, thank you so much for all the care and the work and the thought that you put into today.
0: Yeah, I try. I, I always love when I get to talk about, like, history things. Um, Those are some of my favorites. But
1: I know this. You love your history things, and I love I my spooky things. And then this gives me a very, very exciting intersection of the two. So... Thank you for joining us. Um thank you Alex for all your hard work and welcome back. Uh good to have you back. So as always, my friends, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.